0: There. Thank you for taking your time, Ruby, for coming in and um, sharing your story. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you. So, um, without any delay, I just want to ask you, um, you know, just a bit of the background of your your situation without giving too much details.
1: Of course. Um, I was in a cohesive relationship for 17 years. Um, I decided to end that relationship and whilst we were still living, we have two boys, uh, whilst we were still living together and coming towards the end of our relationship, um, without my knowledge he started to alienate the children against me whilst we were still under one roof.
0: Okay, well how did he do that?
1: Um, I, he left his job and then he started to intervene into the children's routines which mm-hmm. to my thinking was that because he's missed out so much of their childhood and their daily routine he, he was trying to get involved mm-hmm. but to my shock it was he was getting involved in, in the way of that he was portraying me as the bad cop and he was a good cop. Wow. Um, by allowing the children to do something which I've had said no to mm-hmm. and getting them to side with him. Um, I think that was all the prep work he's then started to do mm-hmm. to get them on his side. And then they, I realised that the children would not, as um, as they normally would, follow my instructions or routine. They've started to kind of show a different behaviour towards me. And I realised that they, they, they didn't... Um, uh, set me as an authority mm. to tell them to do something or beforehand if I said no you can't do that they wouldn't do it so I saw uh, kind of a change in their behaviour mm-hmm. um, and that was what kind of um, made me think at that point I still did not know word, the word parental alienation mm-hmm. I had to educate myself um, afterwards mm-hmm. so that was prior to a couple of months before he he left with them Mm-hmm. He contacted the police and said that him and the boys were in danger um, well, well. living with me because I was some mental, yeah, I was some mental person and I took knives out to face him and the boys. And he said to the police that he wasn't safe here and that is why he wanted to take the children away. My shock was that the police um, came, saw him, and then said to him, "Go," but they never questioned me or asked me what had happened and what was the reason behind it. Wow, that's
0: and was at and that then, point, yeah. Had,
1: so then one morning he had um. Sorry,
0: carry on. I was going to ask you. So was that just literally? Was your relationship at that point already deteriorated when he did that, or do you think he was acting like everything was fine and then suddenly he talked the child um to the point where you you got surprised. No,
1: I. Uh, and by august september yeah he was, um, he was pressuring me to get back with him but although we were under one roof i had refused mm-hmm. because i had found the courage to kind of get on with my life and leave him for 17 years um he he wasn't taking that very well mm-hmm. but then in return he left that point there so he needed to get the boys because the children were very close to me mm-hmm. Um, he had to get the boys on his side to actually run off with them and then thought that i would um Give in to his demands to get the boys back. I will get back with him, but I didn't. I am. Um, he ran off, so I put a court case in. Okay. I put a court case in, and then straight away I um put the prohibited steps order in place because there was a fear of the children were a flight risk and he was going to fly out the country because he comes from another country. Mm-hmm. Um, I managed on the same day that he left. I was. I managed to get um, get to a solicitor. I managed to um, uh, contact the passport control um, office and get make sure that the children's passwords were blocked at the um, border control, so that he could not escape any way out of the country. He's. He was just running up and down the country because then it became. Um, it was four years on the twelfth of December when this incident happened. Um, Then he was called back into court, he would moved out of London and the judge ordered him to return the children back to the original school, so the children hadn't gone to school for six weeks because he was on the run with them, (laughs) Um, then the judge ordered him back into London to put them back into the schools and then the court proceedings started, very lengthy, Um, we were after a year later given um, shared custody but he made sure that he would not make it work. Um, to this day he's still not made it work but parental alienation actually then for me to educate myself I was um, I, I was more aware of what it was and how it happened and then I could say right okay he was doing it while he was still living here with me and the children so to me it was quite shocking that it wasn't he wasn't trying to spend time with them he was kind of turning them against me But he needed to do that in in return to take them with him. Yes. And he told them that it was all my fault that the marriage had ended. It was my fault that I was splitting the family up. So everything was basically my fault. And the children kind of really took that on board from him and started to blame me Mm. um, for everything. Um, To this day, they are still alienated. Mm. Wow. yeah, so with the, with the court case, it was shared custody, but he wouldn't um, agree on that. He still would not accept it. All professionals have had a really good um, input from them. Every one of them did their reports and came back with the words in that this um, parental alienation was happening. It was ongoing and they were able to identify it. And which was really good for me to actually see that it, it, it does exist and professionals do understand and when they see a case like that.
0: Mm, That's true. And how long did it take you to actually speak to your, I mean, to go to your first hearing from that?
1: Um, It happens on, the incident happened on the 12th of December. Um, I was able to get um, non-molestation order on, on about 27, 28, so not too long. And then it was Christmas Mm -hmm. and then, uh, end of January was our first hearing to start the proceedings.
0: Okay, and did you? Um, how did you feel at first going to your first hearing? Was you confident or...?
1: No, I was very, very scared. I couldn't um, sleep at night. Mm-hmm. Um, I kept thinking about it for um, before many days. I was just feeling um, I'd lost my appetite, I'd lost a lot of weight. Um, I was more scared of facing him.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I felt I could not face him because I was petrified of him.
0: Mm.
1: Um Yeah, it was very, very difficult, and I went with the solicitor.
0: Okay, that's good. Do you think you got good support in your first hearing Um, from your yes. solicitor? And do yes. you think it prepped you? Okay. okay, good. Yes. Good. And then then from there on, obviously, things starting to progress from your... Because obviously, I'm aware that you decide to then be, uh, self-represent. What made you... St- um, decide to self represent your
1: for your hearings. Um. Firstly, I was getting into financial difficulty.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um. The court fees were so expensive. The lawyers were asking for a lot of money, and even if they needed to do the documents, the the pressure of financial was really really difficult for me. Mm-hmm. Um. My experience of then going to these hearings and watching what happens in court is the judge goes by the evidence. Mm-hmm. It's not about he said and what, you know, I said and he said, it doesn't go like that. It has to you have to actually show her the or him or her the evidence, and that is what they go by. So I kind of observed of their um how it works and everything, and then I decided to uh, represent myself and that by that time I had got over the fear of going to court or mm-hmm. facing him. And I felt that um by having that solicitor for that time, it was just um and I also felt that. I would, have, I would have said a lot more than my solicitor would say to the judge mm-hmm. and I think to be your own voice is the best thing than allowing someone else because they can easily miss it mm-hmm. or um, not get the whole um, what you would normally put uh, um, forward mm-hmm. that wasn't fully being put forward but I mean it was good that I had someone, it was like, hi, for the solicitor, it was like hiding behind them because I didn't have the confidence then. Mm-hmm. But as my confidence grew and I understood the court procedures, I decided to represent myself. Um, I did all my paper, all my statements myself. I prepared applications myself. I made notes before I went into court. And I would get um, the opportunity to start the, when the proceedings would start. And I felt the judges were really, like, sympathetic towards me.
0: mm mm-hmm.
1: And um, I felt they were very caring, they were very understanding of what the situation was, and it didn't take them long to figure out what was going on.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, at all, you know, it was quite simple.
0: That's good. And how does it affected your mental health, especially, um, you know, going through the process?
1: It was very difficult. I was some days I just could not face. Um, The world. It was like I wanted to be alone. I was a lot emotional. I was um, I had stuff. Insomnia kicked in, uh, depression kicked in. So I was I was a a bit of a total mess. Um, to be honest, Mm -hmm. and obviously I was missing the children, so I was crying a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, wasn't eating, became very weak, and then I had to do like a self talk to myself to say that if I let myself go downhill, how am I going to fight for my children? Because I need to represent myself as a whole mm-hmm. and my, pull myself to kind of together and um, fight for my children otherwise if I sh- come across as a mess that they're not going to like um, support me in any way or see mm-hmm. me as a fit mother because he was trying to prove me that I was an unfit mother.
0: Mm. Yeah I can imagine and so it, between the two, the two stages where you've been represented and where you represented yourself, where do you think like your mental health where was it more would you feel um more in control when someone was doing it for you? Like or did you feel like more stressed? Or do we compare to both sides?
1: Um at the beginning, um it was better that someone because of my mental health was in such a I was more in a bad state from the beginning of all this procedure.
0: Yes, no. Um
1: and then and it was good that I had a lawyer that, who was being my voice because I don't think I could stand up in front of a judge and get any words out because I would burst out crying. And, you know, they haven't got that, that much time to deal with that, although they were quite sympathetic. So to have that voice at that time when my mental health was really bad mm-hmm. was a good thing. But yeah. I had to get my mental health together and myself together mm-hmm. and then represent myself because I had to be my voice and I had to be strong enough to speak in court and get my point
0: across. Mm-hmm. That's so good, that is so good. And what what do you think would be um, ideal for the family court to change in order for it to avoid this type of situations now that you've gone through it?
1: The first thing I would like to see, I, I understand they are overwhelmed with cases like this. I think, um, what they can change is the parent who's causing once they prove that the parent is causing parental alienation they yeah. should be given some kind of um um uh, what do you call it the type of they should be kind of yeah exactly they should be held responsible yeah. because they can get away with it if yeah. they don't if they've gone back into court and you've said that you've not had contact because they've no, there's nothing that is really they the way they look at it is well every time I go in I'm going to get away with it. And yeah. I think that message needs to be not, changed. Because there's no consequences
0: to, be... to the action. actions. Yes,
1: that's the word. There should be consequences mm-hmm. for the parent who is breaking the um, court order, because breaching a court order is nothing. You don't get no sentence, You get no no police cautions. Mm-hmm. You get nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, and that is why it's kind of drags on and it delays. And if par- if other people saw that happening. I think we would see less cases and less parents doing that kind of a behaviour, mm-hmm. so that just, at the moment I think it tells everybody going to court is nothing, breaking court order is nothing, Yeah. which we need to see a change in that.
0: Yeah that's true because I even heard that people that have been to court, they got a court order and then you know their ex is not letting them see the child and they have to go back again mm-hmm. and start all over again.
1: That's right. That's what happened with me in 2017, October. It was all finished, shared custody, everything. And I had to go back the following September. A whole year I gave him to try to cooperate, just to say, put yourselves on the side, just for the sake of the children, because this is about two parents Mm -hmm. having it against each other and dragging these children between them. Mm -hmm. So I think it's very, very unfair to put your child through that. And, and then also put the parent that you're targeting to go through that as well. Mm-hmm. And it is, it's mentally um, torturing to, go through, to start the procedure again because you've not seen your child yeah. and your ex won't still allow you to see the child. I mean, in, in, my, um, in my opinion, a father and a mother both matter in a child. A child is both parents. Yes. One is not above the other. Mm -hmm. and that's something that's very important that mothers need to know and fathers need to know that there's no one above the other you're both equal it took two to have a child it takes two to raise a child
0: yes yes and we get statistics as all coming from you know many institutions that prove that you know children raised by single parents are more likely to end up in certain situations that could be avoided if they have two parents so you know definitely definitely and I uh, agree with that Going through the, the process, then, how did you feel like, without giving details, but how did you, when you started talking to your children about it and stuff, you, how how was it? How did you feel?
1: Um, speaking to my children to this day, they still believe everything their father has told them.
0: Mm. So then, um, it's very
1: difficult for me to turn it around. Mm-hmm. Um, um it's it's a very difficult situation because he has really embedded and and it's 4 years now
0: mm-hmm. that's so sad so sad yeah. and i'm sure i mean and now your what's your current situation
1: um the child has been removed by the local authority he's gone into a bridging placement and they feel that he needs to go because of the fact that the father can't put boundaries down the child is not going to school he's mm. allowing him to do whatever he wants to as long as he hates me wow and that is, yeah that's how l- the level he's gone to but it's come to the point that the local authority uh, applied for an interim care order and removed the child wow and has put him into a foster placement, but the father has now appealed and was granted permission to appeal to the Supreme Court.
0: Wow, so it's going all the way to the Supreme Court. Yes. This is it's unbelievable. Hmm. And is, what do you think that um, parents going through, what kind of encouragement can you, now they've gone through it? What kind of encouragement would you give to someone that is about to go through the same process that you've gone through? Lessons learned.
1: Um, I would definitely say to them, don't don't be afraid. Um, don't, um, don't give up to fight for your child. This is a progress um, process you have to go through. So if you're starting at the beginning, yes, it's, it looks very frightening. It looks very you know scary and everything but it's okay what well, all you need is facts all you need to give is evidence in court and you'll be fine you don't have to get an expensive lawyer
0: mm-hmm. to represent
1: yourself because it's all about evidence if you have the evidence that's all the judge is interested in not your fancy lawyer or how much you paid for them or what they look like because that, that does not matter
0: mm. what about for those people that say oh i don't feel really um adequate to speak in front of a judge and things like that
1: Edie obviously you have to have the confidence to do that Mm -hmm. you have to and at the beginning it's very difficult Mm -hmm. Um, I I do understand by looking at my own situation but as a little bit of time maybe you could start off with a lawyer and as you go through the few of the procedures and hearings your confidence will you will be able to get yourself together and be able to be the first time going into court is very daunting I'm not going to lie it's very very scary um, but actually, when you go there, j- the judges really do um, um, show sympathy and they are, are, are kind, they, und- they understand. They're not. I see them shout at a lawyer, but they would not shout if, you, if you're if you representing yourself.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They're very understanding in that sense.
0: Oh, that's, that's good. I hope that other people will be uh, willing to, <laughs> to, to do it, because I think that's going to make a big change to the, how the process works, if more people start representing themselves, because the less money that lawyers are making, I feel the more incentive, the courts will start having the process a bit easier. You know, and I was going to ask you, so now that you've gone through it, looking back to how much did you think you was aware that this problem was actually happening to, to a lot of, say, to couples.
1: Um I had to go onto the social media of jo- I joined different groups um of the parental alienation groups and then there was more knowledge and there was everything I was reading about other people, um how much how I was very shocked to see how badly Hmm. It is around it is it's a very large amount of people that are going through it, which is very, very sad. That is something I did not know. Hmm. And it's very, very sad that there's a lot of people going through this progress, and there's a lot of people going through this pain.
0: Mm-hmm. So why do you think there's not much awareness about this? Why why can we not have the same amount of like say, for example, domestic abuse and things like that? Is so many charities and events that you know, or even Um, classes to trying to identify the type of behaviour but there's none for parental unation I shouldn't say there's only a small amount of information about it
1: that's right definitely there is not out there I believe that we need to be one voice one platform and not get drawn into a gender war because I think then somewhere along the line we forget what we're actually focusing on Mm -hmm. and we need definitely the media to be our voice because they are the one who get can get this message across and educate um professionals mps everybody because their awareness is definitely definitely lacking it's not enough out there for people to have knowledge of it some people you may ask and they wouldn't even know what parental alienation is Mm -hmm. unless they've gone through it and that is how it's not um not towards anyone's knowledge they don't know
0: yeah yeah, which is sad but hopefully by people people like yourself taking your time to share your story we can then spread the awareness to more people
1: yes definitely definitely i think we need more people that are going through it to come forward (laughs) because we we don't really get much we you know we don't hear about them actually coming up and saying what they're going through and what their stories this is the only way we're going to get somewhere We start to speak about what our um... What
0: What the situation really is, isn't it? Honestly. Are you still there, Ruby? I think I lost you there. Hmm.